Oh, hey there guys. It's time for another Sessions Omnibus Edition. Join us today as we talk all about the Tyburn Tree. Now, to help you figure out when we're moving from one day to the next, you will hear this noise. So without further ado, let me present the Omnibus Edition of the Tyburn Tree. Hey up, I'm Joe Heathcote and this is Consistently Eccentric a podcast where I will attempt to teach a friend of mine a lesson from British history, focusing specifically on the lesser-known and less believable people and events that the history books tend to leave out. So let's get started with... I know you've been excited about this for weeks. Well, kind of, but a little bit sad because there's no boats. <laughs> Did I say there were no boats? You, were, you told me there was no boats. So... I told you it wasn't... There are no boats. <laughs> there are no boats, unfortunately. Yeah. But do you know what there is? Not till you tell There's me. There's a story about a tree. Mm. And trees can sometimes become boats, so you've got yeah, a proto-boat. it's not boat. a boat, and it's also not a Viking. No. Which no. is my other, you know, wish for the stories. Mm. Boats and Vikings and Viking boats. But in, in order to tell you a story about this tree, we first mm-hmm. have to go back to talk about Anglo-Saxon forms of justice. Oh, the, two the, things... the only thing I know about Anglo-Saxons, right, because this is, this is my limited school knowledge now, is that they had weird hats and they lived in some kind of like one-story house. A bungalow. A bungalow, A if bungalow. you will. And Anglo-Saxons lived in bungalows. And that's the extent of my knowledge, that, and they were excessively boring. Well, no, they weren't. Well, they were, trust me. Well, the way they were taught to me at school. The failings of your history teacher are not... Oh, no, we're talking primary school. It's just catch-all teacher. Teacher at front of class. That's normally where they are. Yeah, I know, but you know, like, (laughs) when when you're in secondary school and you move around classes and you have different teachers for everything? Yes. Yeah, not in primary school, is it? You just get, you know... We we changed teachers in primary school. Mrs. Blar and Mr... I had Mrs. Richardson for maths and Mrs. Duncan for English. Well, you went to a very odd primary school because I just got, you know, in year six, Mrs. Grundy, she just did everything. Oh, fair play to Mrs. Grundy. She Mrs. tried her best and you're just poo-pooing <laughs> on Mrs. Grundy. I here. don't think she taught me Anglo-Saxon history, though. Apparently not. No, I think she, I think we did the... What did we do? I think we did the Egyptians. Mm. I, don't, I know nothing about them either. <laughs> Is this a failing in your education, <laughs> rather? I think I think this is just a failing in my memory. I just don't have a historical memory. So, a story about a tree mm. that requires us to go back to Anglo-Saxon England. For, okay. in Anglo-Saxon England, every man, upon reaching the manly age of 12, was expected to take the oath. Oh, this sounds like tribal in the woods kind of stuff. Well, no, it was quite forward-thinking. It was a promise to not commit a crime or allow a crime to be committed within your knowledge. The idea of your word is your bond, mm. that was the only that was the only law. Uh, and anyone right. who was found to have committed a crime, it was not unusual for both the criminal and the family to be punished t- together. So if your brother, say, had yeah, committed a, a crime... Yeah, but if your, okay. if your brother in Anglo-Saxon times had committed a crime, yeah. so he'd stolen someone's pig and was caught for it, because right. he's not very... They make a lot of noise when you try to steal them, pigs. Don't know if you ever tried. Well, I'm just thinking, how would he? Would he just half inch it out the sty? And yeah, under, cover under one of darkness, arm. under one arm. I mean, they're pretty big. Well, you'd obviously go for a smaller pig. A piglet. Yeah, yeah piglet. I don't think you could half inch a massive you could nip cow. Two, one... <laughs> cow? Why did I say cow? Pig? One of the big, like, mummy pigs. Not a chance. Okay, well, this is this is probably why your brother failed that. in the in the operation. I don't but have if a he got caught doing this, yes. it wouldn't just be him who would be banished. It would be him. Yeah. It would be you. It would be your mum and dad. Well, if I got be a deal, attack, I'm a because pig you're stealer. part of the family, and the idea was, if oh, you couldn't right. trust one member of this family, at least not part of my family at you all. You can't. Well, you might you might you know no longer want to associate with him, but by blood. You've got that same tricksy pig stealing kind of blood in you, so they need to get you out of the society. Criminals mm. at these times will be tried at hundred courts, and these were basically local courts, which mm. would be presided over by a royal official who could impose any sentence up to the death penalty. Okay. So we we had the death penalty at that time for petty crimes. As well, well, I would have thought so. 
However, King Athelstan is reported to have taken the high oh. rate of crime in England as a personal failing, and he actually apologised to his subjects about the high crime rate. I like Athelstan. Mm. Uh, he also raised the age at which the death penalty could be imposed from 12 to 16 in 9, uh, 930, saying that it was far too cruel to impose the sentence of death on a child. So it, well, yes. it's amazing to think that the Anglo-Saxons, you know, at that time were looking at penal reform and criminal justice reform. I mean, to me, history is just full of hang-drawing, quartering, stabbing up, you know, eye for an eye and all that kind of thing. So to me, like, crime and punishment is relatively new well, in terms of, you know, kind of like any kind of justice. If we And we'd use the term loosely nowadays as well. Let's not get into that. But anyway... Um, yeah, I just assumed that everybody just kind of took the law into their own hands until well, very recently, historically speaking. What we'd say is that not all of the um, rulers at that time had the same kind of reformist bent as, as Athelstan. Well, and I wouldn't have thought so. Luckily, no. by 1196, England under new management and any reforms that the Anglo-Saxons had put in Mm-hmm. Uh, were rolled back and it was just in time too because the people of London were revolting <laughs> and that is to say <laughs> that London was in that year experiencing its first ever peasants revolt led by a charismatic former crusader oh, go on. called William Fitzosbert better known good name as the bearded one that was his nickname well, that could be anybody. Oh no, no, he had. That's not like that's not a name like the Scarlet Pimpernel. Well, actually, no, maybe it is. In a, a time the bearded of, one. In a time of beards, he was known as the guy with the beard. So you can imagine how amazing that oh, beard damn. must have been. It must have been like a dress. Although he is on record as referring to himself as the saviour of the poor. Uh, oh, now, that's a big claim. Well, he'd managed to amass over 50,000 supporters with rousing speeches where he suggested that, you know, the burden of taxes was being pushed disproportionately from the nobles onto the lower classes. Okay. Arguing strongly and, and truthfully that that was what was happening. The nobility insisted that his behaviour was treasonous, but he claimed otherwise. The bearded one said, I'm not going against the king. He even went so far as to visit Richard I, Richard mm. Lionheart, in Normandy to swear his loyalty. Ooh, right. Is mm. this around the time of Robin Hood? It's it's <laughs> around the time of Robin Hood, only this story is real. So, yes. So he is Robin Hood? No, he's better than Robin Hood. He's a working class boy done good. However, back in England... Uh, however, back in England, right, the back. country had neither... Um, King Richard, because he was off fighting his crusades, or Prince John, who was out of the country at the time, <laughs> to keep the See, nobility now, in check. all I've got in my head is them lions from Disney. Yeah. But there was no one keeping the nobility in check. No. And they were determined to get rid of this long-bearded, magnificent-bearded rabble-rouser. Robin Hood. He's not Robin Hood. He didn't have a bow. He didn't have an arrow. He had a beard. Predictably, though, the Archbishop of Canterbury at the time, Hubert Walter... Mm-hmm. saw the justice of William's cause and offered the support of the church. Fair enough. Was that was that worth having at the time? Well, it would have been, but I'm actually lying. Uh, he, as Archbishop of Canterbury, tried to have Fitzosbert assassinated. Why? Because he was making the argument that the, the meek should inherit the wealth, which, as you know, is directly against Christian teachings. Well, this is what I'm thinking. Like, what... Well, but when the assassination oh, yes. attempt by the Archbishop of Canterbury failed, yes. uh, the would-be assassins cornered William in a church called St Mary Le Beau. Where is that? Hmm? Where uh, is it's it? in, in on the outskirts of London. Okay. So, you, you're aware of the, the idea of sanctuary? Sanctuary! So, w- William ran in, probably shouting... Sanctuary. Yeah. Yes. Him with his beard. So what's what's an Archbishop of Canterbury to do? Well, supposedly take him in, feed him, and say you can stay here, chappy, as long as you want. But I assume that that's not what what's going to happen to the beard. Uh, no. So no. the Archbishop the Archbishop of Canterbury controversially mm. ordered that the church be burnt to the ground. So you've got. The, wow. the, you've got the top holy man in the country ordering the burning of a church. Okay, so I'm assuming the church isn't there anymore. Then. Well, they burnt it to the ground to flush oh, well, William out. No, 
the church will burn to the ground again during the Great Fire of London. Oh my goodness. But there is a third version and the same spot that is touch wood Haunted. still standing Haunted to this point. And, uh, so we're on to the third St. Mary Lebeau church. Unlucky. Um, William obviously left the church before it burned down around him. Uh, he was charged with heresy. It's a nice one. Which one's heresy? Um, saying things directly against the teachings of God and the church. So he was charged with being a heretic for saying poor people deserve a fair fair whack of it in terms of taxation. Right, okay. Well, I don't know how... All right, okay. Uh, Let's just and hear this one out. Because you've got the Archbishop of Canterbury there, you don't need to bother with a trial. You've got authority from God, essentially. So he was dragged by a horse naked to a little village on the outskirts of London called Tyburn, where he was hung, he was drawn, and he was indeed quartered. Ah, oh, you see, this is the kind of thing that I was on about... Yes, this is all history to me. Yeah. This is this is exactly what you imagine pretty much up to the last, oh, I don't know, 100 years. In the last 100 years, we might have moved a little bit past hanging, drawing and quartering. But to me, anything prior to that is... Prior to... Prior to 1920. Prior to 1920 was hung, drawn and quartered, was it? In my mind, yes. Okay. So Tyburn stood at the junction of two major roads on the northeast corner of Hyde Park. Okay. It was easily accessible from the city and it had been an important site since the earliest Britons. It was the site of an ancient monument called Oswald Stone, which was historically a place where courts would meet to settle disputes. So it had okay. always been a place of law and justice. Very uh, good. You can't go and see the stone anymore, though, as it was removed to make way for Marble Arch in 1851 okay. by the Victorians. And rather than put it in a museum or mm. put it anywhere, they just propped it up against the Marble Arch. Um, and it stayed there, just propped there, till 1869 when it went missing. It hasn't been seen, it. Yeah, it hasn't yeah, been seen I since. I mean, that's just classic British history. And what happened to it then? Somebody robbed it. Oh, yeah, of course they did. Course it, they did. it just been stored. I mean, it, it was literally just leaning on Marble Arch. I mean, we do have form in terms of robbing stones, don't we? Uh, there's, yeah, a few. We've robbed some Scottish stones. We have indeed. Elgin Marble springs to mind. Well. Oh, also, fun fact about Tyburn. Tyburn Springs, so they had a natural spring there, would uh-huh. also provide the first piped water for the city of London. In 1286, oh. with water supplied to a fountain in Cheapside, right. which is pretty good. Yeah. So long as you ignore the fact oh, that the half mile piping consisted entirely of lead. I was going to say it's going to be lead. Yeah. Yeah. So that wasn't great. No, I mean, we didn't learn a lot from the Romans, really, did we? So. <laughs> but <laughs> the mix of historical gravitas, easily accessible sort of route that it's on, yeah. and fresh drinking water made it a very good spot to perform an execution. Because as time passed, Tyburn became synonymous with the idea of hanging people. Or, if it was a woman, burning people. They burnt witches. Oh, it wasn't just witches. Just ladies. Uh, it would be anyone who committed treason. And at some of the times we're going to talk about, there was a long list. So forgery was treasonous. So you have a long list of lady forgers um, yeah. who were burned. Oh, God. But yeah, witches. Witches. <laughs> of the ob. Yeah, that's uh, another so, thing we're famous for, isn't it? The old witch. So in 1537, mm-hmm. following another series of, revol- of revolts, yep. remembered now by the very misleading title, The Pilgrimage of Grace. Right, okay, well, let's just leave that one dangling because yeah. I don't agree with that title, but go on. <laughs> yeah. The Catholics in the North had become very upset at Henry VIII for dissolving the monasteries and at the increase in food prices. Uh-huh. Uh, and Tyburn was inundated with monks and northern noblemen who suddenly were in need of a hanging to show them that actually it was a good thing that the monasteries had been dissolved and that food cost more. No, I'm not following that, but go, go on. It was possibly in this moment that the hangman, we don't know his name. Bob. For twas, twas not in the record. Bob. Noticing the ominous creaking of the overworked gallows, mm. commented to one of the nearby soldiers who was mm-hmm. overseeing the operation, that they needed something sturdier to keep up with all the treason that was being committed. Right, okay. And his completely made-up-by-me wish was granted a mere 34 years later when Queen Elizabeth I, 
possibly again expecting an uptick in hangings having just made any criticism of the monarch an offence punishable by death <laughs> under the treason act of 1571 so if you say anything that contradicts queen elizabeth yes at all one is not happy one could have you hung or killed in whatever way she saw fit. You'd be at Her Majesty's pleasure. Oh. Uh, but she gave her approval to a brand new gallows being erected at Tyburn, a mm-hmm. permanent structure that sat in the middle of the junction between three main roads. Um, modern day, Edgware Road, Bayswater Road, and Oxford Street. Right. And when I say in the middle of the road, I mean literally it stood in the middle of the road. Right. So anyone coming into London by two of the most direct routes and most well-known routes would have to pass this massive gallows. It was constructed as a triangle, suspended about 12 foot from the ground by stout poles, and it could hang multiple criminals at a time. It would quickly earn the nickname the Tyburn Tree. Very good. And that is where we will pick back up again in our second episode (gasps) to learn about the time of the Tyburn Tree. Well, I mean, it's not the kind of tree that I was thinking, but okay, that's very good. Very good. Let's find more tomorrow. So, are, yes. you, are you ready for the time of the tree to I jump am. back in? I, I mean, it's a very grim tree, really, isn't it? I mean, it's mm. not like a pretty little tree in a forest or, you know, something somebody'd write it. Well, I, I mean, they obviously have written books about it, but, you know, you know it's not like a fairy tale tree or anything like that. It's... Uh, Fairy tales were pretty grim. Uh So let's go back again. The year, 1571. Queen Elizabeth I has just made, along with criticising her in any way, all papal bulls treasonable. And she did this in May. All what? Papal bulls. So basically... What the hell's that? It's an an order that comes down from the Pope. So a papal bull is a a change in what, what the official church position on certain things are. Now, she's probably done that because, you know, she's not the most popular person with the Pope. And it's likely that the Pope would probably make some changes to church law and to official doctrine that would adversely affect her. So she's decided that no one in England can follow those because if they do, it's treasonable. Uh, And this happened in May. So rather predictably, in June... Uh-huh. Uh, it was a Catholic former MP called John Story who was the first person to be executed at the brand new gallows in Tyburn. Oh, isn't he a lucky chap? Yeah, well, John had been accused of treason in 1563, but he had unwisely been placed in a debtor's prison uh, called Marshalsea, which allowed prisoners who could afford to, to go out during the day. Uh-huh. It was a debtor's prison, so, it, it you know... Basically, it was just to hold you until you paid your debt. So if you could afford to pay, you could leave. And he, yeah, but it let you let you go out during the day, so you had means of paying your debt. Yeah, but he obviously wasn't in there for debt. He was in there for treason, and thought, well, if they're going to let me go out to the shops, mm-hmm. I might just continue on. And he did. Not mm-hmm. surprisingly, he took advantage and got on a ship to Flanders uh, and sought refuge of the Catholic King Philip II of Spain. Very good. He started working as uh, an official almoner, which is a person who gives out um, gifts of money to other people who'd had to flee England because they were unfortunately Catholic at the time of uh, Queen Elizabeth. (laughs) Very unfortunate, sadly. But he was doing this on behalf of the Spanish king, so that's doubly treasonous. Because as you know, Elizabeth I and the Spanish... No. Yeah. Well, the Spanish Armada <laughs> was still a quarter of a century away, actually, but relations yeah. still weren't good. Oh um, so having a former MP distributing gifts from the Spanish to English exiles, it wasn't going to be tolerated. Yeah, and, I was going to say expats. They're not expats, are they? They're exiles. Yeah, they're exiles. So agents of the crown, spies, people of mystery. They waited for their opportunity to strike. And in seven, uh, 1570, they were able to trick John into boarding a boat. <gasps> And he quickly found himself in Newgate Prison because they took him directly back across the channel. Oh, no. Um, And on June the 1st, 1571, he was taken to Tyburn to be hung, drawn and quartered. Very good. He left behind a wife and four kids. Oh. But it isn't all bad. Yes, it is. No, no, because he was beatified. 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 Beatified, not beatified. 
What's that? Well, it's nothing. He was beatified in 1886, uh-huh. which is a long time after. It is. Uh, but it means you he definitely got into heaven. If you're beatified, it's confirmation that you passed the test and you're in heaven. Oh, very good. And you can now pray to him uh, if you need him to intercede on your behalf. So yeah, what do you mean? You can You can pray to people who've been beatified to intercede in worldly affairs should they um want to so you know there you go if if ever you can't find your keys or you know you just that you just need you just need something <laughs> to go your way yeah you can pray to to john's story and he might from his position in heaven just but nudge nudge you know nudge those keys nudge out the those scales my yeah to make right, things work okay. for you it's very odd. So. That is a very odd thing to do. Mm. Well, blessed John's story, well, that's how he's known now, um, was executed alone. But this was not the general rule for people who well, would end said. their lives on the Tyburn tree. Yes. Uh, there would be up to 12 hanging days a year, depending on how sort of treasonous and how uh, murderous and how defty the people of London and the surrounding area were. <laughs> yeah. um, and generally, these hanging days would take place on a Monday when workers could take a day off, declaring a Saints Monday, which was basically an agreement that everybody would skive off with the view that the employers would either have to tolerate it yeah. or fire their entire workforce. Okay. Which is quite nice, isn't mm. it? We're having a Saints Day. Hurrah! Oh. Um, Let's go and watch some people swing. In fact, it became so routine for workers to attend the hanging rather than their place of work that street vendors, entertainers, would make the entire event into the equivalent of a family fun day. I mean, good God, weren't we barbaric? Yeah. I mean, it just beggars belief. Could you imagine now? Right, I tell you what, we're going to put up this wooden structure. It kind of looks a bit like a pergola, but we're going to put loads of nooses around it and some trap doors. And then... We're going to get, you know, a tiny little McDonald's wagon and, you know, Bob that does the juggling. And we're going to make it into a, like a bit of a festival feel and we're all going to watch some people swing. What the hell, Britain? We, we still have to hell? this day. The word gala, to describe an event, is mm. derived from the word gallows. A gala day... Oh was one of these family fun days that just so happened family to have some, days. I mean, some executions involved. Castle. Somebody's forged some notes, mm. man. Special what? arrangements had to be made in the case of murder, though, as it was traditional for the sentence of death to be carried out within two days of it being passed for murder. Right. Judges who had to pass such sentences, they tried to be nice and do it on a Friday, as it was not acceptable to hang people on a Sunday, for that is the Lord's Day. No, which what, would what about give Saturday? Well, it's got to be two days. So if you sentence them on the Friday, it would be the, the Sunday that they'd have to hang. Right. But you can't do it on the Sunday. So it'd so, be Monday. Yeah. Oh, God. So it gives the condemned person one whole extra day of life. Well, no, it's not. Yeah. It's just a day, another day waiting because, you know, it's... Yeah, it's an extra day really. chained in a condemned cell with mm. only bread and water. Uh, because also traditionally, once people have been um, sort of condemned to die you mm. would only give them bread and water in the condemned cell probably sat in their own poo as well yeah there was no last meal here you didn't get to ask for partridge or a haunch of venison or whatever it was you were partial to no no generally though the sentence of death will be passed on mass at the end of each court session and the whole wretched lot of condemned prisoners will be processing uh, processed even <laughs> processed you're the, being processed 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 in carts from newgate to tyburn the way lined with crowds the entire three miles. Because Was there a band? Oh, probably. At least one. Um, close to the tree, the condemned would be given an opportunity to address the crowds. What would you say? Well, some would ask for forgiveness, but others would tear into the establishment or discuss um, religion and theology because uh, what she what moment. else are you going to do to them? She moment. Yeah. No, I think I'd probably, I, I think I'd probably tear a strip off a few mm. people, to be honest. Yeah. I don't think I'd be asking. I mean, you know, why? Why would you be asking for forgiveness from the people mm. that are bloody stood there because they don't care? Yeah. But the idea that there's this protected time and place for condemned people to let forth and have the last moment of free speech would later evolve mm-hmm. into Speaker's Corner in Hyde Park. So oh, the reason we right. have Speaker's Corner is because... There were blokes was... on boxes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, okay. It started from blokes on carts who are about to die going, and another thing. <laughs> and one more thing. I don't, I don't believe 
King Henry had anything to do with God. God, and they proper prattle on. Have you been past him? Mm. Speaker's Corner. It's a bit... Well, you would, wouldn't you? If you got any last words, yes, I do. It's quite long. (laughs) It may take a couple of days, actually, Mm. to get Mm. through all of the things I want to say. Uh, The tree claimed the lives of approximately 1,200 people over the course of a 188-year span and could do so up to 24 people at a time, as this was recorded to have happened on the 23rd of June, 1649, when 23 men and one woman were transported to the tree in eight carts and had to be hung up in shifts as you could only get three carts backed into place at a time. Beep, beep. So... Vehicle reversing. That means that there was... People on cart seven and eight had to watch two loads of people be backed up, strung up, and have the carts pulled away from under them. And then another cart would back up next to the people who were already dangling. And the next lot would be strung up. And then they'd pull out... And only then, once you'd seen the majority you of people... Look. I wouldn't watch. Well, I'd have fingers in ears, eyes shut, and I would not be watching. You wouldn't have fingers in your ears because you've been halted. So you're not, you're, you're not free to move your limbs because obviously then you might try and do something like pull at the rope or get yourself down so you've, you're pinioned to the side and your hands can move just a little bit in front so that if you feel the need, you can pray. But, but no, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to put your fingers in your ears or cover your eyes. Yeah, but you've got eyelids. Um, the Tyburn tree did Come not on. eventually end due to a change in the country's view on capital punishment. Instead, yeah. it was the most British thing in the world. It was the gentrification of the area and the increasing value of property no, around that's not Hyde British. Park. No, that's not British. And I'm going to be very controversial now. That's Southern. <laughs> okay, well... Either way, the gentrification of the area around High Park was pushing mm-hmm. the value of the property up and the I well-to-do residents yeah. complained about the traffic and general disruption oh. they had to experience <laughs> on hanging days. So it's the equivalent of people who buy houses near a football stadium and then complain that once every couple of weeks there's a lot of traffic and a lot of noise. So mm. they've bought a house near to the premier site for executions in London and then complained that it's loud and noisy and that a lot of ruffians turn up to watch the executions. I'm going to be extra controversial now and say it's like Grenfell Tower, isn't it? Because all those posh knobs moved in and got them to clad it Mm. and then the bugger burnt down and killed all those people. Mm. Mm. Gentrification of area. Still happening. Still happening. In the South, apparently. In the South. <laughs> so they they met halfway and they took down the tree and mm-hmm. replaced it with a mobile gallows that could be wheeled in and out as needed. Yep. Um, uh, the last person recorded to be hung on the original Tyburn tree was a lady by the name of Catherine Noland. Okay. For highway robbery. Did she actually do it? Oh, she she did highway robbery, yeah. Brilliant. She She seemed to have a thing for stealing watches. So she would feign that she was um, needing assistance and then a, a gentleman with a very fancy pocket watch would come over and, you know, I'm, I'm guessing she'd go, do you happen to have the time? time? And then he'd flip out his lovely pocket watch and she would bring out a grab, pistol grab and it go... Grab it and leg it. No, I think it was a, it was a stand and deliver kind of situation. Um, but anyway, by the uh, she was hung on the 18th of June, 1749. But by this point, mm-hmm. the cross beams of the tree had already been taken down so they literally, she was strung up from one of the upright posts and she was hung with her back to the post. Oh my God. So she, she was hung as they were taking it, <gasps> as they were taking everything down. So they were probably sort of builders and craftsmen there carefully taking it down as they just hung her up. I could just imagine now a couple of builders are kind of like stood there going, time's money, mate, time's mm. money. I mean, I know she's you, like there swinging yeah. away. Oh my god! Well, the problem was the temporary gallows hadn't been built yet, and she'd been sentenced, and they had to carry it out. And there were other places to hang people, but it was a bit of a ball ache, and you know, they could still just about manage to do it. So yeah, uh, but I thought you said back way back then they also burnt people. So could they not just have burnt her instead? They were taking it down anyway. Well, I, I don't know because you need a store of kindling. Maybe they'd already moved the burning equipment somewhere else because yeah. everything. Because you this did point, say, didn't you? That is right, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, you would burn women, but she was hung. But all of these things moved to Newgate Prison 
eventually they they, oh, right. they erected a gallows out the front of Newgate prison so that they didn't have to process people through London they'd just sort of bring them to the front I mean, less, less people miss other people being killed. I mean, good God. <laughs> no, oh yeah, it, they didn't do it inside the prison <laughs> no. for a long time. It was, you had to stand at mm-hmm. the front so that all the people could see, but it sort of contained the crowds a lot more. Is Newgate Prison mm. where Stephen Fry went and he did that long walk? Oh, the one that went smaller and smaller, yeah, and, smaller and smaller. and smaller and smaller. I think so, yeah. That's Newgate Prison, isn't it? Yeah. And then the psychological into, torture. The psychological torture, and you go out and it's in that little, like... It's in that little courtyard. Well, the the next gallows that was the most popular one used was uh, wooden construction in front of Newgate rather than that one. That was when they finally decided that having people watch... Was sick. It was no longer... And psychologically damaging to people mm. slash children that were made to watch it. But we were not there yet because the temporary gallows that replaced the Tyburn tree oh, yeah. continued to be used until November the 7th, 1783. When highwayman John Austin was hung for murder, mm-hmm. his last words were to ask for mercy from God. But Fair this enough. was not forthcoming, as unfortunately for him, the rope slipped and he suffered an agonising slow death from asphyxiation. Oh, so it wasn't God. it wasn't tight around him. So it wasn't completely. I mean, this was before the long drop, so no one was having the neck broke. You were being strangled to death, but this hadn't sort of cinched tight around his neck. So instead of getting nowhere in, he was agonisingly gasping for ages. Oh, no. And like we've said, from that point on, hangings were moved to Newgate Prison itself. Uh And any deaths at Tyburn today would likely have to be the subject of a police investigation. Yes. But that's that's the broad strokes. And I know know what you're thinking. You're thinking, what would it actually have been like to have been condemned to die at Tyburn? What What would that be... What would that day be like for you? It never has crossed my mind. Well, I'm glad that's the question you asked. Okay. Because that is exactly <laughs> what we're going to talk about on tomorrow's episode. Ooh. The experience of the condemned. Wow. I'm not enjoying this as much as the boat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want the listeners to know. Episode three. Episode three. And this time it's personal. I know. I do. <sighs> So let's See, I say am, I am actually struggling with this one a little bit more than the boats one. Yeah, that's because people are dying at a, a higher rate. I know, and it's not as funny. Well, so let's just say that you've been condemned to die. Yes. Okay, so you've committed some naughty offence. What have I done? I, I pre- Make it up. What have I done? If we're talking about the time of the bloody code, pretty much everything you've pickpocketed. There you go. That'll get you executed. What did I take? <sighs> you took some money yep and you took a gentleman's very very valuable snuff box brilliant very good and when when they recovered it they found that you'd actually had all the snuff as well snuffed it you'd snuffed it right so you've been condemned to death yeah and you just so happen to have done this in the london area so you're in newgate i wouldn't be down there but go on well first thing that would happen now that you've been condemned and mm-hmm. you've been marched out of the court, yep. you'd be taken to the condemned cell at Newgate Prison to wait for your sentence to be carried out. Mm. Now, this was, at first at least, essentially a cellar under the keeper's house um, that housed a sewer and a row of chains and shackles. Nice. Mm. But if you were awaiting death in later years, um, it would just be a bare cell with a stone bench to sleep on. So it's, it's nice. Wow. Uh, you could be waiting there from anywhere between a f- few weeks to four weeks months, to four months depending on the schedule of hangings <sighs> homie mm. so the conditions in newgate at this time were said to be so bad that doctors would not enter the place oh blame them i, 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 I put my snuff box back i don't want to i don't want to commit the crime so the food was poor to say the least slash non-existent and probably. if you couldn't buy bedding from the keeper the guy who sort of he was yeah the guy Give ran it buy it yeah why because you want to be comfortable in your final oh days. Oh, God, just going in big um, What else are you going to spend your money on? You're going to be executed. So if you couldn't afford to buy from the keeper, and unfortunately, the money that you stole had to be given back. So you're, you're destitute. You don't have the money. You'll be sleeping on the stone floor then. Poor food, stone floor. Not surprisingly, mm-hmm. many of the prisoners, um, and the condemned amongst those, probably more so, uh, will fall victim to something called gallow fever. 
No, I think I'd be dead before I got to the gallows. Yeah, they would die before they could be yeah. executed. Honestly, I'd, I'd live... No. But we're going to assume that you're still alive. You've you've survived the harsh conditions, yeah? Oh, unlikely, but go on. So if you were still alive at the time when they decided, finally, it's, it's the time to do this execution, yeah. uh, you would be informed that you were to be hung the next day by the sexton of St. Sepulchre Church who would shout out this little ditty for you. Bring forth the ditty. All you that in the condemned hole do lie, prepare you, for tomorrow you shall die. Watch all and pray, the hour is drawing near, that before, that you before almighty God will appear. Examine well yourselves, in time repent, that you not to eternal flames be sent. And when St. Sepulchre's bell tomorrow tolls, the Lord above have mercy on your souls. Our last one's a bit clunky. Yeah, a bit of a clunky rhyme at the end. Wow, I mean, it's a cheery little ditty, isn't mm. it? He, he would then come back at midnight to ring a handbell 12 times as a death knell to really make sure that you've got the message. Well, to be honest, you're there on that wet, damp, probably covered in shit and piss floor yeah. um, with no food, no blanket, no pillow, mm. stinking like the rear end of a horse, knowing that you that's it, you're not going to see any of your loved ones, friends, family. Oh, you will. Well, you will as you swing. but From a distance. Is there ever, ever going to be anyone in any doubt at that point? I mean, I, I can't help but feel like they're rubbing it in. Well, I mean, it's it's the way that they decided to let people know that tomorrow was the day. So your hanging oh, day God. will begin at 7am when you will be allowed to dress in the clothes you wanted to die in. What's the point? You'd smell like a dead badger. Well, tradition, you, you wash up and get into your clothes. Traditionally, this would be your best clothes. So Having people... revenge, you get hung in something natty. But as the hangman was entitled to your clothes afterwards, whatever clothes you were in, yeah. it was part of his payment, some people chose to wear rags instead as they didn't want to reward the man who had been no, tasked with killing you know what? them. No, I'd, I'd strip nude, hang me nude. You get nothing. <laughs> oh, it's funny you should say that. Um... <laughs> that would be me. I'd be like, I'm no. not giving you anything. But you, you would. Give me a blanket. You know, get my clothes. So you could then pray in the Newgate Chapel before you'd be led into the prison yard to have the chains that have been holding you struck off. All right. Uh, you'd have your arms, like I said, I think in the last episode, tied in front of you. Very good. Uh, so you'd be pinioned mm-hmm. uh, so that you could pray. Um, and to save time, the noose, which would just have a simple knot in it, would be placed around your neck mm-hmm. and they'd just loop the rest of it around your body. So you'd travel with your noose um, already on you. Uh, once you were prepped, you'll be placed onto an open cart to be transported the three miles to the gallows. Prepped. You can stand in the cart if you wish, or if you're a bit tired, you've not had a lot of food, you're probably malnourished, you can uh, choose to sit on one of the coffins that was also being transported in the cart with you. I'd sit in it. <laughs> <laughs> Bury me alive, I think. Oh, that's worse than hanging, surely. No, I don't think so. You're dying anyway. You've spent like, you said up to four months. I could have spent four months mm. lying on a floor. Yep. I would be so close to death. At that point, I'd be like, just hammer me in. I'd just, I'll just drift off. <laughs> it's fine. Well, that's too, <laughs> just that's, drift off that's too peaceable for you, you snuff stealer. <laughs> you, you need to right. know that what you did was wrong. Okay. So your last journey of three miles is likely to take up to three hours. Due oh, to the amount good. of people crowding around you to get a good look. The procession is going to stop. See, that's why I'd be bare arsed. The procession is right going to stop three times, though. <laughs> Very good. So firstly, mm-hmm. as the sexton predicted at St. Sepulchre Church, where they will ring an even bigger bell, <laughs> providing just another definite reminder that you're going to die. So Very good. That's when they ring the big bell. Yeah. Uh, the second stop is at yeah. a pub called the Bowl Inn at St. Giles. Yeah. Here, you can choose to have a drink if you want. One. Or a big one. A big one. Even better. Yeah. The tradition of allowing the condemned to have a drink is the origin of the phrase, one for the road. Very good. Mm. Pint of gin it is. Well, you might not want to have the pint of gin there because the final stop is also a pub. This one's called the Mason's Arms. Again, you can have another drink there if you like. 
Oh my God, I would be, I, I would literally, I would go for it. The strongest thing you can put in a glass or a tumbler or mm. a tankard, fill it to the brim, let me down it, let's do it again. I well, wouldn't know, up yeah. from down, left from right, that is what I'd go for. Strongest thing, give me that, hang well, me nude. You're not the only person to have that idea. There you go. Uh, because <laughs> a lot of people took full advantage of this and by the time they arrived at the Tyburn tree, they were absolutely smashed. Yeah, I would you know, be. Barely conscious of yeah, what's going to happen. barely conscious. I think that's where I'd go for it as well. But, I mean, you've had three hours of people hurling abuse and rubbish at you. Yeah. So who can blame you? for wanting to get a bit smashed. Uh, some wealthier condemned people, though, were allowed to hire a coach, a covered coach, to make the journey so that they didn't have to uh, have missiles and abuse thrown at them. Yeah, that wouldn't but be us. even if you had the money, I'm assuming you'd want to go for the authentic experience. Authentic experience, yeah. You want to you experience it in the raw. None well, of this... that, and, you know, I'd want me bum to the breeze. Yeah. Nice. Upon arrival at Tyburn, you would see a half-drunk mob of up to 100,000 people. Uh, Well, what's the point in that many people? I mean, people at the back wouldn't see anything. Well, it's depending on the status of the people who were hung. So when you had the famous highwaymen who were getting hung, you would get massive crowds, or if it had been a particularly infamous crime. Well, I don't think pickpocketing a snuff No, but you're one of many people. You're not going to be on your own. They don't leave by the time I'm hung. You're not a murderer. You're probably on a cart with several other people. Most likely men, so you might want to reassess the whole nah. naked stuff. Nah. Fair enough. Give them um, something to look at. There'll be the food vendors and quite possibly people selling copies of your biography and last words, <laughs> despite the fact you hadn't spoken them yet. Okay. So okay. you get given your chance to have your last words and they better match what those people are selling in the pamphlets, otherwise they're in trouble. So They wouldn't. Think calm. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't match. Uh the cart you were on would then be backed into place under one of the arms of the Tyburn tree. Brilliant. And while the hangman was tying the end of the rope to the beam, mm-hmm. you'd have a last opportunity to survey the crowds and survey the scene in front of you. I wouldn't be surveying anything. Uh, I'd be surveying the inside of my own eyelids, probably, by mm. the amount of drink I'd drunk. The rope was tied with very little slack. So when all the condemned were prepared and the horses were encouraged to walk the cart away from under you, mm-hmm. there wasn't much of a chance of a quick death. Um, instead, people can convulse and struggle for up to 45 minutes. And this became known as doing the Tyburn jig. The last sound you would hear would be the crowd cheering and whooping. And you'll be pleased to know that once you died, the experience isn't over. Yes, it is. Oh, no. You're it dead. It is likely that there will be a scrum for your corpse once it's cut down. Why? Ah, well, there are anatomists who want to dissect you. Oh, well, and there was royal charters that said that they were allowed to take a certain number of bodies each year from amongst the condemned, but they would have to fight with possibly family members and friends who want to stop that from happening to you and right. want you to be buried with some dignity. Just been hung bare arsed. I don't think I've got much dignity left. Um, And also, the mothers of small sick children uh, might be running up to try and get bits of your body rubbed up against their kids because it was believed that the uh, freshly made corpse had some magical healing powers. Right. Sometimes, with all of these different people fighting over the corpse, it could lead to the corpse being trampled. Um, You know, and let's say uh, a bit foxed around the edges to the point where you might not be able to recognise who the person was. I mean, again, with the Brits being barbaric, I mean, history should never put painters in a good light. Mm -hmm. I I don't think, because we are a very odd race Mm. of people. We are barbaric in every sense of the word. Yep. Um... I should add at this point that that was that was kind of the main event, but there was an an after an after party an after party where um, any of the women that were going to be burned that day would then take centre stage. So the burnings happened after. So the I, I definitely okay. So for me, snuffbox shenanigans. Yeah, I would have been hung, not burnt. You, it's not treasonous what you did. So it's a common crime. But if you'd have been forging groats, or if you'd mm. been um, saying anything about the monarch that was considered a bit, uh, you would have been 
uh, strangled and set on fire. Yeah. Were other countries this bad? Yeah. In different ways. Okay. Mm. There, there were differences, but there were lots of inventive ways to kill people. It still is. Mm. So that's that's the end of of the how how it happened. The more personable episode of Very the Tyburn good. Tree. And I know what you're saying. You're saying, where's the fun? I am. I'm do you know what? I am, so actually. Do you That's want, exactly what I'm thinking. Do you want to round this off with an episode about oddities and funny little foibles that happened? Yeah. Some, some of the more fun bits. I think so. Okay. Well, should we do that tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah. So, episode yes. four of four, our final visit to the Tyburn Tree. Very good. You, you've promised me this one will be fun. Yes. So, Very good. executions don't all have to be glum. Let's take a look at some of the unusual things that happened over the years at Tyburn Tree. Shall we Go start? On. The original one or the rebuilt this one? Is, these are all things that happened at the triangular Tyburn in the Tree the in the middle of the road. So, Very good. let's start with the idea of hanging someone who's already dead. This happened to our good friend Oliver Cromwell in 1661. Oh, you see, I've uh, not got a nice word to say about yeah, him. Yeah, well, after the royalists got back into power, they yes. dug him up, posthumously hung him at Tyburn, and then had him beheaded. I think I would as well. Yeah. This was, <laughs> don't blame this was on the order of the Cavalier Parliament, who wanted the new King Charles II to know that they were really super duper, super very sorry. Like pinky swear sorry. That his dad had been executed. Oh. Okay, so... Three years later, on yeah. January the 21st, 1664, noted diarist Samuel Pepys visited Tyburn. Oh, the Pepys? Yeah. And he'd gone to watch the execution of his friend, Colonel James Turner. Oh, my Who had been convicted of robbery. Did he do it? Yeah. Pepys is probably best known for his account of the Great Fire of London. Yes. And in 1666... Did he bury a cheese? He buried a cheese, yeah. That's all I know about Pepys, is he wrote this diary about this fire and he buried a cheese in his garden. Yeah. But in 1666... Yeah. 666. A Frenchman called Robert Hubert was hung at Tyburn based on the strength of his false confession that he had been the one who started the fire. Despite the fact he was not in London at the time the fire started... He's not a fire starter, a twisted fire starter. But he told people he was a fire starter, a twisted fire starter. And I'm not sure if it was a case of he walked up to someone in a position of authority and said, I'm the person you're after, or if he was in a pub bragging to friends, like, oh yeah, I started that for a laugh and someone overheard him. I don't know which way it went down, but oh either way, God. he was hung. Was it a Spartacus moment? Oh, it was not a Spartacus moment. He was the only person claiming that he started a fire which burned down, was it, uh. four-fifths of the buildings in London <laughs> because everybody else probably knew how stupid an idea it was to be in any way associated yeah, with that. Yeah, I, I bet it was like pure bragging rights, that. Yeah. It was it was top bants, wasn't it? Yeah. And he wasn't the only Frenchman we hung because in 1670, the first acknowledged highwayman... The re a real one. A real acknowledged highwayman yeah. with a much more French sounding name as well. Claude Duval. Very nice. Yeah. He was executed at Tyburn to the sound of besotted women weeping. Because he was a Lothario. He oh, was a bit of a man was he piece. A dandy? Yes, he was the adamant of the time. Uh, unusually, for people who were hung at Tyburn, he was then given a lavish funeral and is buried under the central aisle of St. Paul's Church in Covent Garden. <laughs> Apparently, though, he doesn't stay there anymore. And he's said to um, spend most of his time haunting the Holt Hotel, which you can find to this day on the A4260. So he, he spends his time there. Any particular reason? Apparently, Good rates? Apparently, it was one of the coaching inns that he used to stay at while he was out doing his oh, highwaying. Right. Because you can't highway all day, highway all night. You need to go and no. kick off your boots and sleep. And that you was do. his preferred stopover point oh, right. it's probably got mm. good beer as well well imagine. would he would he really want that or would he want wine i don't know what would a lothario drink he wouldn't drink beer you'd drink something oh, fruity it's too gassy yeah <laughs> it's too burpy and he came looking like an adonis but farting like a warthog <laughs> i want that on a t-shirt as i stuffed <laughs> 
So I stuffed the radishes up my nose to block out the smell. I thought, what a <laughs> hunk of man piece that is. Yeah. So by 1682, the sheer volume of work that the hangman of the time had to do resulted in the executioner, Jack Ketch, going on strike for better wages. Well, I mean, did he have a union? It was him. He was his union and he oh. won. Oh, good for him. He won the argument. His wages were increased. Jack also had a side hustle of selling the clothes of the people he hung oh, that he, he was entitled to off me. and sections of the rope that he used to do the hanging because people like those kinds of things. It was like a little, um, it, it was the equivalent of, you know, merch from going to a rock show. <gasps> this isn't where money for old rope comes from. It is indeed <laughs> where the phrase money Yay! for old rope comes from. Two points. Yes. Yes. Jack was an expert hangman. Okay. Good old Jack Ketch. But Uh he was reportedly terrible at beheadings, which he was also asked to do on occasion for the more noble sort, because he didn't just just hang a Sir Montague Smythe the fourth. You chopped his head clean off with an axe. Well, obviously he didn't. Well, he did on the 7th, 8th sometimes ninth attempt in fact he was so bad at this particular part of his job that there were rumors he accepted bribes from people who disliked the people being beheaded (laughs) in exchange for making them suffer as much as possible before death see all i'm thinking is either he needs to sharpen his axe Mm. or he needs to do a bit of upper body workout well you see in germany at the same time they were using a long sword and the executioner would swing it round the head to get momentum mm. before slicing through with a single chop. Yeah, I mean, There was really, a certain it... degree of skill and artistry to it, whereas we were just giving the guy who was normally used to measuring people for rope a massive axe and saying, try not to mess that up. But if you do... Yeah, just keep hacking. Yeah. And to be fair to him, he always denied the accusation that he was bribed to do a bad job. Yeah, he was probably just really crap. Yeah. And he wasn't being asked to behead people as often as he was being asked to hang people. He's a bloody good hangman. Well, yeah, I know, but you'd still, yeah, mm. I don't know, a couple of a couple of goes on the old weights machine wouldn't have gone in And if you remember yesterday, you're saying buck naked yeah, is the well, way to go. Oh, you see, definitely. Well, one person, a kindred spirit Yay! who shared your ideals was an Irish woman by the name of Hannah Dago. Yes. She was determined to leave nothing for the hangman. Yes. uh, And she stripped herself nearly naked as she was being transported to the gallows. So they didn't let her get on the (gasps) cart naked. And while she was there, with her arms strapped to her sides, she was desperately clawing at her clothes, Mm. getting as naked as possible. Mm -hmm. She then, to add insult to injury with the hangman, Mm -hmm. when he came to sort of tie her up, kneed him in the groin and jumped off the cart breaking her own neck rather than be strung up do you know what so he didn't get the money for the clothes he didn't get the money for the old rope the only thing he got was a sore kick in the googlies from this woman and he probably didn't get paid for it either because he didn't actually hang her she killed herself i don't know if he gets paid by the hanging or paid a flat rate nah paid for the hang per hanging well there are only 12 hanging days a year they'd have to they have to be a high amount you need him on you need him on staff anyway because you never know when you're going to need someone beheaded he gets extras. Going to be a this is bonus. <laughs> That's the way I see it, anyway. But while some people were pre-executing themselves, yeah. there are also amazingly stories of people surviving the Tyburn tree. What in the box? Uh, Waking up in the box on Christmas Eve. I want to take you back to Christmas Eve okay. in seventeen oh five. John Smith, a very English man with a very English name. A boring name. Who would later go on, go on to create <laughs> a brand of beer that is beloved to this day. Yes. He'd been hanging for 15 minutes when the crowd began chanting for him to be reprieved. Why? The, we don't know why. Maybe his particular jig that he was dancing was just so good. Maybe the fact that he was struggling so well. People love an underdog. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was just that he had friends who thought, well, maybe if we just start chanting it, the crowd will catch on. Possibly. You know, yeah. um, but either way, eventually the hangman relented, cut him down and he made a full recovery. I mean, as, as stories go, what a story to tell in the pub. And 
Yeah. It was considered that he had served his sentence because he had been hung. Yeah. So he was, from that point, a free man. Goodness mm. me. Even more amazing was the case of 16-year-old William Pavel, who was actually laid out on the dissection table <gasps> at Surgeon Hall when the anatomist noticed signs of life. And to be fair to the anatomist, he didn't just carry on yeah well well i mean i only get 10 of these bodies and i don't want to give one up i mean it was those times joe wasn't it he was (gasps) reprieved and he had his sentence commuted to transportation though you could argue again he should already be a free man he should as he'd served his sentence yeah now there is no record of john smith or william getting into any trouble with the law again Mm -hmm. although one man who definitely should have known better than to risk committing a hangable offence mm-hmm. was hangman John Price, <gasps> who was responsible for executions at Tyburn himself in the first half of the 1710s. But by 1718, he was back at his old stomping ground, only this time convicted as a double murderer. Oh and he was hung. God. Making your hobby your career. Oh. Another person who should have known better was peer of the realm, Lawrence Shirley, the fourth Earl of Ferris. So, (laughs) thank you. No, not Ferris, just Ferris. So, he was at home. Yes. He was drinking. He had a quarrel with one of his servants, a servant who'd been in the family for years. Mm -hmm. Think of an old Jeeves kind of type. So, he shot him. Right. The servant didn't die straight away. and he began to drunkenly shout at his servant, uh, impeding the work of the doctor who turned up and was desperately trying to save the poor man's life. Right. So not only did he shoot this man, he then, ab- he then abused. verbally abused him as he was dying, probably while pouring himself another drink. Wow. Um, he tried a plea of insanity, which was rejected. Yeah. And the peer was hung at Tyburn in 1760. Mm-hmm. Although this was done with a silken rope, a silken rope that'd just slip out. Well, in deference to his rank, you couldn't hang him with a common or garden rope. You needed you could. to use silk. No, he's hung with a silk rope. You could, and of course, you can imagine with that collector's item the amount of money you'd get for that rope. Well, it yeah. would be worth more, yeah. But if you wanted to watch one of these celebrity ones, like the peer, <laughs> yeah, of the realm. The die room. you want you want the best seat in the house don't you you do yeah and the best seat in the house was mother proctor's pew which was a right. grandstand set up by an enterprising local woman that could rake in up to five thousand pounds on a hanging day depending on the status of who it was do you want to know what it is in today's money i dread to think that is a lot try four hundred and fifty thousand pounds <gasps> a day Mm, that's not bad that's that's more than folding money right there goodness me though this was not without its risk because a similar pew owner mammy douglas she had her pew her grandstand destroyed in a riot in 1798 when the traitor she had charged top dollar to see hung was Uh reprieved at the last minute (gasps) so they paid to see a traitor hang no traitor hung she put her fees up special event you don't want to miss it. Oh, no. And they were not happy. No. And they tore the thing down. Yeah. A riot could even occur when the hanging had taken place. In 1770, the body of a former soldier named Dunk, didn't get his first name, Dunk. Okay. It might have been his first name. Mm, Dunk. Yeah. He was just known as Dunk, you know, Dunk, Dunk. one Dunk of the lads, uh, was stolen by his friends when they thought that he was going to be taken to be dissected. He wasn't. He was going to be taken to be buried. Mm-hmm. His family had organised it. They assaulted the undertaker, oh loaded their dead friend onto a cart and drove off at high speed through the crowd to a pre-prepared burial site where they broke their friend's arms and legs, threw him in a coffin full of unslaked lime. Mm-hmm. Then they threw a bit more unslaked lime on top of the coffin as well and buried the lot. And like I say, this was in spite of the fact that a dignified burial yep, had already, already been planned oh out. Oh my goodness me. Uh, so they, they, for the noblest of reasons, <laughs> assaulted an undertaker for, for no, no gain. For no gain. They'd just been completely misinformed or possibly drunk. Mm. 
Or both. Yeah. And talking of misinformation, mm-hmm. the beginnings of tabloid journalism coincided with the later years of the hangings at the Tyburn Tree, and this had the ability to turn the condemned into either villains, mm-hmm. such as Elizabeth Brownrig in 1767, who's painted as a monster for beating and neglecting a 14-year-old apprentice girl called Mary Clifford to death. Oh, my God. Yeah. Horrendous. Yeah. The sensationalised details of the case got to the public, and it got so riled that they could be heard praying for her damnation the entire three-hour journey for her death. <gasps> so in terms of a hostile crowd, it was probably Ooh. the most hostile crowd that anyone ever had going to Tyburn. Wow. On the other hand... Mm-hmm could also turn a murderer into a sympathetic even a romantic figure such was the case in 1779 when newly ordained priest james hackman mm-hmm. shot the mistress of the earl of sandwich <laughs> him of sandwich fame no it's getting more cluedo by the minute yeah <laughs> so this this newly ordained priest <laughs> shot the mistress of the earl of, of sandwich, sandwich in the head at point blank range He then tried to commit suicide with the second pistol he was carrying, but missed. He missed his own head? (laughs) He missed his own head. (laughs) How? So instead... Yes. And I think this is a panic move. (laughs) I'm going to warn you. He tried to beat himself to death with the butts of the discharged pistols. Right. Uh, All the while stood over the corpse of the woman he'd just killed. Oh, my God. He pled not guilty by reason of insanity. Oh, my claiming God. Claiming that he was so infatuated with Martha Ray, who yeah. was the mistress, that he couldn't bear the idea of her stepping out with another man. Oh, God. This was despite the fact that he had been introduced to Martha Ray as this is the mistress of the Earl of Sandwich. So he, wow. he knew that she was a kept woman. Um, and he claimed he, after that didn't work his second thing was that he'd only meant to commit suicide in front of her right which either makes him a liar a big liar an even worse shot than we thought he was <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it also makes you wonder if that's uh-huh. true why he felt the need to carry two pistols well yes to that fire, would be fire my what question, should have been one shot yeah so not surprisingly, the judge didn't buy either claim. No. Sentenced him to hang at Tyburn. Good. But the press painted him as a tragic figure and he was immortalised in 1780 in mm-hmm. a novel. So that's the year after these crimes happened. Oh a novel God. was brought out yeah. called Love and Madness, uh-huh. which suggests he was driven to his act by the crushing weight of his unrequited love. So basically, oh it, was, it was her fault for not wanting to give up. Oh, and the history position. always paints the women as yeah. the problem there, right there, she, the patriarchy. She bewitched him. She didn't. He's a dirty old priest. Well, no, he's a brand new, he's fresh, freshly minted priest. He'd okay, only just young taken priest. his orders. So, yeah, basically, all of the men at that time thought secretly possibly more openly, that he had behaved in a perfectly reasonable manner after being snubbed by a woman who already had, let's not forget, because she wasn't just a mistress, she already had five children to the Lord of the Admiralty in Britain. That's her business, yo! Yeah. You don't go dragging that round. None of their business. It was quite an open thing. She was a kept woman. Well, there you go. But there... So that is your your trip through some. Well, do you know what that last bit is? Right, got on my pips. <laughs> well, that's yeah. the bit I'm taking away from this. Oh, now, oh God. no need for that. I'm with you. I don't think he. I think he should have been remembered. Leg as to an stand idiot. on. I think not. I, no, he doesn't have a leg to stand on. No, he can't even shoot himself in the head. No. He's that inept. He is. But there you go. I hope. As, aside from the last anecdote you enjoyed that last episode i preferred the last episode yes and that you've you've learned a little bit about a little bit sad this this is the story of the premier location for death in Mm. england for 200 years Mm. there's a little memorial now there is there are three oak trees 
that grow mm. where the three stand stand sort of stanchions would have been. Mm. Um, and there's a little plaque. There is. It says this is where the Tyburn tree was, and you can go and visit it. It's yeah. just at the top of High Park. It's one of those. It's like you don't know whether you would. I think now that I know, I would. Would you? You know, obviously skirting well, well wide of Speaker's Corner because I don't need that brand of crazy. No. Um, There are every time I go, it's just religious nut jobs having a spout. But isn't it nice that they've got a place to go and we all know they're there and we can avoid them? Well, yes. I mean, at least uh, yeah, at least they've got somewhere to go and vent. Yeah, it's better to corral that kind of thing and say, right, here's your designated. You can say whatever you yeah, want. They so. bottle up all their cre- crazy for the whole week, and they just let it all out, stood on a box, <laughs> on the stump. On the stump. That's where you get. That's where you get people. Yeah. So there we go. There Another we sessions Another has been sessions. sessioned. Session number two. Mm-hmm. What will the next topic be? Oh, I, I hope I it's don't something. Even that... know. No, I know. I hope it's something fun. Yes, it's a history of clowns in Britain. No, I don't like clowns. Can it be Vikings? what in in what sense i just want vikings and boats and boats and vikings 